So uh, that is what uh, we're looking forward to uh, in our show this morning for the next three hours. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, in a weekend designated for remembrance, someone in rugby forgot. Only four games in Super Rugby, three of which were lay down Mazzias on form, for the most part disappointing crowds watching depleted teams due to injury and rest. Thanks to the force and the win over the Highlanders, which wasn't really that surprising, uh, the Aussies have now improved their record to a woeful 2-13 over New Zealand sides. I mean, why on earth do they bother? It's appalling. Only the Brumbies are worth any consideration, and that has always been the case. Oil, hail, the Brumbies. Head coaches are disappearing at a greater rate than officials are handing out cards, and that's saying something. And what does the future hold if the present is so bleak? The whole competition looks like it needs a visit to the headmaster's office to get a couple over the backside to spark it up. Although, that theory is long gone as well. More's the pity. And Ram Raids will testify to that. Whether, where has respect for sacrifice, respect for rights, respect for other people's property disappeared to in this country? And now worst news of all, all the kids who want to work, want to have values and build a future will now do that in Australia due to a free pass. Let's hope for the sake of rugby in the future and trans-Tasman rivalry, lots of those DPRTs are rugby players who can bolster some ranks over there to give this rant a slightly sporting tinge. So dawn parades and morning services of remembrance and respect at least will have their time tomorrow on this version of Anzac Day and the decent folk will go and more importantly drag their kids along to respect the diggers and servicemen and women of times gone by and their sacrifices Hopefully, hopefully without a patch in sight. Or is that too much to ask for too? Well, we're past the halfway mark in Super Rugby's regular season and after a weekend of Tasman action for the most part, there were really too many surprises, were they? The Chiefs just keep rolling on, having little trouble with the Fijian drawer at home. Crusaders took their time in an uninspiring win over the Rebels and the Blues dismantled a team of schoolboy-looking Waratahs for a depleted dour Highlanders outfit that was uh, the only bad news they couldn't afford giving up points to the Western Force in Perth. Uh, this week uh, is all about uh, one or two matches, really. The Chiefs and the Crusaders, and don't forget the Hurricanes taking on the Brumbies. It'll be a ripper, and it needs to be. And to debrief all the action, look forward to uh, what we've got coming up. Uh, Rugby News Magazine uh, editor Campbell Burns is with us this morning. How did you see the weekend, Campbell? Was it a little bit uninspiring for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the... Uh I enjoyed the Chiefs' handling, uh, particularly in the first half of their Friday night uh, win over the over the draw, given the conditions. Um, and then I enjoyed the Crusaders' second half against the Rebels after they were so poor in the first half. And uh, further to that, I, I did go to Eden Park in a social uh, capacity and um, watch the Blues uh, do what they had to to beat beat the Waratahs. And then I have to say I was pleased to say I only saw the the highlights of the Forced Islanders game um, and of course there weren't too many of those so I'm glad I didn't sit through a, a full replay of that one Pray tell, a social capacity, you're on a, on a junket uh, that's, Well no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a junket I was just um, high up in the New Zealand Barbarians box having a couple of uh, quiet <laughs> rum and cokes uh, 
watching the, the, the <laughs> watching the Blues Warriors are. So I've, I've very much enjoyed that. For all accounts, uh, Campbell, even with a couple of rum and cokes, it was pretty tough to respect the Waratahs um, with, uh, with a view to the, the team they brought over. Yeah, I can. we've seen that before. I think the uh, the Brumbies turned up to, to Christchurch only a few weeks ago with a very much understrength side. So, uh, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't great. Uh, having said that, I suspect the, uh, the Blues would have still been good enough, uh, too good even for a full-strength Waratahs side. So, yeah, I, I guess the... Um, you know, you, you've got uh, Eddie Jones breathing down your neck over there, and the, some of those Super Rugby coaches uh, obviously won't be playing, playing all their star men all the time. So we have the same problem here. So it's just uh, unfortunately um, in a World Cup year, it's a fact of life with this competition. Um, I don't know how much it would have affected the the crowd if Michael Hooper had played. Uh, there was only it was probably only about eight thousand at Eden Park. So I don't know how much real effect it has on the numbers if the opposition doesn't turn up with all their men. No, that's that is a, a big factor. It honestly is. Uh, the timing of when you leave them out and who you leave out uh, it must be a bit of a headache um, for some of these super coaches because uh, they're simply being asked to do that or demanded to do that. To be fair, injuries too to uh, Perafeta and Lolala. How far-reaching will that be? Yeah, well, it's an interesting one. I mean, Stephen Perafeta. I mean, we haven't heard the uh, the extent of it yet, and if he's out for the rest of the season, that's bad news for the Blues, but you'd have to say in the All Blacks sense, um, I mean, not not great, but uh, with Damien McKenzie playing so well, uh, Will Jordan due back, Sean Stevenson playing so well, then, you know, would, would Stephen Perifetta even make the cut at this stage? Uh, Nepo Laulala, um, I'm sure he was in the tight head prop plans, um, and we'll have to see how, how long he's out for, but whether that has any real impact uh, further down, you've got guys like Tamiti Williams playing so well, um, I'm not sure whether Nepo has really set the world on fire this year, but uh, we'll have to wait and see when that uh, injury um, a diagnosis comes out. The Chiefs continue to uh, impress Campbell, no doubt about that. I mean, uh, they were they were as, uh, as I guess as ruthless as they had to be really over the draw, fifty to seventeen. Um, and this record that Clayton McMillan's putting together now is, well, it's under threat this week, mate. Uh, uh, but apart from that, there's not a lot. Uh, you would suggest to say that it's going to stand in their way. No, that's right. And they'll uh, they'll be bringing Brad Weber back, probably Luke Jacobson. Uh, I'm not sure where Sam Kane's at, uh, is at after his head knock, but uh, they'll have close to a full-strength side. Um, and, uh, yeah, given that they uh, they really put the cleaners through the Crusaders in round one, uh, I know the Crusaders will be much better than that, but, uh, you know, you'd have to say that the Chiefs are right in the box seat. Uh Having said that, there's going to be nine... If they make the final, there'll be nine weeks in a row to come. And uh, it'll be tough to see them going through unbeaten that whole time. I think the Crusaders of 2002 were the last side to do that. And that was a that was a great side. But um, to win 17 in a row is going to be a, a, a huge effort. So if the Chiefs were to drop one, uh, you would say possibly this weekend could be the one. But uh, on form, they'd still enter as favourites. Uh, I'm looking forward to this uh, Moanga and McKenzie clash. Uh, some pretty nice things being said about Damien McKenzie from uh, Ian Foster over the weekend in terms of his ability to organise, but also showing faith in Bowden Barrett uh, and Richie Moanga. That uh, 10 spot, ultra competitive. Yes, it is. Um, I, I'd like to think there's room in an all back squad now for all three of them, um, given Moanga would be your starting 10, um, Bowden possibly 15 off the bench, but Mackenzie, you can't ignore his form, really, and given that Geordie Barrett's now at 12, 
uh, that would help McKenzie hugely in a in a squad situation. But uh, I think there's room for all three of them. Um, I'd love to see that uh, number ten matchup on on Saturday night. But I do have a I've just been checking some stats here. Richie Mawonga has played five games in a row. So does that mean surely not he'll be rested uh, on All Blacks protocols for this weekend? I, I can't believe that happening, but he has played, he has started the last five games in a row for the Crusaders. Well, they did get a dispensation, but that was out of injury, wasn't it, for um, Scott Barrett? Because they just didn't have that's any right. locks. Yep, that, that's right. That's right. And also, you've got to bear in mind, Simithoni Taukiaho, who was the form hooker of the competition, has played has been involved in all eight match days for the Chiefs. So where does his rest come in? This is where we need to probably get a clear direction from the All Blacks coach as to what's happening here because Taukiaho has had six starts and two off the bench and is yet to have a rest uh, on, on any match. So does he then rest this weekend? Yeah, again, you'd think not for such a big marquee match at home. So it'd be interesting to see a couple of those selections, uh, how they pan out. Well, um, it was. You saw the the, the the Highlanders. You said you saw um, the highlights of that game. Not too many of them. Um, people saying they're a little bit hard done by, but uh, gee, what a troublesome season they're having, going down by thirteen to the force. Yeah, well, that's right. When we, we, that, there was a bit of a mini resurrection after they like dropped their opening three games. They they beat the force, then Drua and Moana, uh, but they've they've uh, gone down to the Hurricanes by 15 and the Force by 13. And I think from what I could see and gather, there was just too many handling errors, too many mistakes. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, they, they, they might have had a couple of calls go against them, but they still, I mean, they, they would still back themselves to go to Perth and win um, against a Force side that only won a couple all year. So now they've got to go to the Waratahs in Sydney and turn that around and win that because uh, although I think they'll be safe in the top eight, uh, they want to uh, get higher than, than eighth as they did last year so I think if all goes well for the Highlanders they could get up to as high as sixth but they would have to start playing a lot better than they, they have been showing and certainly on Saturday night Are you um, just lying in wait like the rest of us for the real Crusaders or um, are you a little bit worried about them possibly this year? Oh no, I mean they um, <laughs> you know they, they went great in that first half against the Rebels but came back into it nicely, they've got a lot of their cavalry coming back well, Jordan's not far away. Uh, not sure about Ethan Blackadder. So they've had some terrible injuries, which they haven't previously had to deal with a lot. So some of that depth um, wasn't that great at the start of the year when we saw them lose to the Chiefs and the Endure. But they've, they've won five in a row. Uh, they haven't been imperious by any means, but they've got some of their key men playing well. Richie Moonga was superb in the second half. Um, David Harvey outside him. So some of their key men are starting to crank it up and... Uh, we saw this last year too, where they they weren't the best side in the regular season, but they certainly were the best side in the final. So uh, I, I wouldn't be too worried about the Crusaders overall. And then if they uh, if they went on Saturday night, we know that they that, that, that they're definitely back. Campbell, are you hearing uh, positive things all of a sudden about Will Jordan? Yeah, well, I had uh, I think it was Scott Robertson who said he's not far away. Um, whether that means a week or, or two weeks, uh, that's great because. Yeah, there was a, there was a fair bit of concern about that, and they've had to make do with Ferg Burke at, at fullback, who's done a um, you know, he's, he's done a fairly good job. But Will Jordan, we know the, the cutting edge that he brings, um, and so yeah, it looks as though he's not that far away, and that, that would be great news for both the Crusaders and the All Blacks. Sure would, absolutely. If he's uh, anything like uh, the Will Jordan we've seen leading up to the season, magnificent news, in fact. Um, big one this week, also um, aside from the Chiefs and the Crusaders. Hurricanes Brumbies, how are you looking at this one? The, Br the Brumbies 
the only ray of hope Australian rugby seems to have again. Yeah, that's right. And we, you, would, you would hope they'll bring uh, close to a full-strength side to to, uh, to Wellington on Friday night. Um, but, the uh, yeah, the Hurricanes are coming off the bye. They're coming off uh, that loss to the Chiefs. Um, I mean, they've had a pretty good season overall. They've, um, I think they've done really well. And they've got Cam Roygaard, the form halfback. So, uh, yeah, I think all, all things all things being equal, the, the Hurricanes should continue on their winning way. But, yeah, the Brumbies would are certainly the best Australian side. And it's just a question of where they finish on the, on the table in the end. It is really. Um, uh, Hurricanes to to make real, real um, impression on the season. You've been watching, and possibly a, an impression on uh, on Ian Foster and Joe Smith and Co. Um, Hurricanes as to, as to which players have stood out. Um, yep. Well, y- yep. Um, well, it's certainly uh, you have to say um, Torrell Lomax. Um, I think Dane Coles has actually played really well. Um, and, uh, and, and, and in partnership with Safo Almore. So those two are probably fine for that third hooker spot. Um, Colsey's gone, uh, has gone particularly well in the last few weeks. Um, but then in the, in the loose forwards, um, I'd say Duplessis Karifi has, has impressed. Um, Adi Savi has been his usual self. So Roy Guard for sure. And then it's a question of, if you're looking out wide, um, I think Billy Proctor's been one of the best centres in the competition. Um, Geordie Barrett's been solid at 12. And then... Um, if you're looking out wide, I mean, Rayasi's been pretty good, but I'm not sure whether I don't think Foster would be looking at Rayasi necessarily. So it's more probably, um, you know, some of those players more in that in that tight five. So, yeah, I mean, Coles is, you know, he's 36 now. He seems to, he, he's got through without injury. He's not really talking to the media at the moment. He's wanting his rugby to do the talking. So I think I think Foster will be thinking hard about his third hooker uh, just at the moment, and it's going to be one of one or other of the uh, the, the Hurricanes rakes. Well, let's uh, take a, a look then at the, the match of the round. There's no doubt about it. Um, it's the one we're all waiting for. Can't start soon enough uh, from my point of view, but that is uh, the Chiefs and the Crusaders. Um, can the Crusaders, it was pretty convincing last time. There's been a, little, a lot of rugby uh, um, played between the last time. It's round one and now, of course. But um, do, you, do you think the Crusaders can get up there and... and give them their first hiccup at the season on form? Um, yes, but it could depend on who they who they line up. Um, so is Cody Taylor going to be fronting? Um, is Joe Moody going to be fronting? He's had five in a row. I presume he's not subject to all, all Black's protocols. Uh, and then and then they'll obviously have their, have uh, Whitelock and Barrett at locks. Is Ethan Blackadder close? Um, we know Cullen Grace has just come back. So it probably depends on that forward battle um, uh, whether the Crusaders can put close to their full pack um, on the field and then whether Richie Moonga can actually play, uh, that will help uh, hugely. But I think the rest of them are all starting to fall into place. Uh, I'm not sure how far away Leicester playing Anuku is. Braden Enor is playing well. Um, and so I, I think the Crusaders, certainly in the pack, will know that they're going to be in for a, a, a real battle in the collisions and at the set piece. Um, so they'll be wanting to get close to, their, to all their main men involved because... Uh, Really, the you know the Chiefs that's a real strength of theirs. Um, you know, just brutality in the in the collisions. Brody Retellick playing playing really well uh, on top form, um, and they've got some you know they've got guys like John Ryan who stepped into tight head prop and done the business. They've got the best hooker in the comp. Uh, they've got McKenzie in great form. Um, even though they've had injuries in midfield, they've been able to put out guys like Ramakapoi Hippie, Daniel Rona's going well, and as a replacement there. So you know, there's these. Uh, 
there's matchups all over the park, but I do think that Ford battle will be will be key, particularly if the weather's a bit uh, a bit dodgy down there. Yeah, that's very interesting, actually. And the other thing I, I guess we have to look forward to is: do you have to ration your team's appearances, bearing in mind you're probably going to be playing in the playoffs? I mean, you don't want to be leaving players out at playoff time, or will there be dispensation there? I mean. It'd becoming a bit bizarre if you, if you miss a crucial playoff game because you've played too much rugby, really? Yeah, that's right. So that's going to be the key. And there's, um, I, I suspect you'll see a whole raft of players um, resting probably for the last round-robin game or, or the second-to-last. Uh, because, yeah, you're right. If they're only allowed to play five in a row and you want to have them at least, at least uh, three games in the playoffs, then there's going to have to be some serious thought to give into to some of these because there's probably some players who have played more than they like but then someone like Damien McKenzie who's not subject to that can play every single minute for every game uh, same with Sean Stevenson um, and I believe Patrick Tupelotu is not on that list either so some of these guys will be uh, worked hard and uh, but some some thrive on that I mean some guys just thrive on the fact that they they can play every game but others will probably need need a rest to, when they're dinged up um, but you know I mean it's as Scott Robertson said, um, you know, someone like Sam Whitelock would play every minute of every game if, you know, uh, if he was mm. able to. And in fact, that used to be the case only four or five years ago. Aaron Cruden played 36 games in two seasons, starting every game for the Chiefs. And um, sorry, that was 10 years ago when they were when they were winning their title. So that wasn't a problem then. Uh, but I guess it depends on what position you're in, whether you're a forward or a back, and how many contacts you've had, etc. They, they they have all the data on this uh, these days. So. It'll be interesting. It's not. It's, it is not a great look for competition, and I do, I do sympathise with a lot of these coaches. Um, but you know, I guess there's a bigger picture, um, and the All Blacks uh, winning the World Cup is that bigger picture. Well, that's uh, of interest as well. Uh, perhaps for another time, the the coaching setup and where they're going to go with their super coaches. But uh, Campbell, thank you so much for your time this morning and uh, the way you're looking at uh, things at the moment through your. Your uh, eyes as editor of the Rugby News magazine. Uh, cheers. Uh, thank you. Thank you, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Yeah, Campbell Burns there uh, running his uh, finger across what he saw at the weekend and what he hopes to see uh, this weekend. Uh, Louis Herman Waters uh, with us this morning. I, I, I find this um, rationing of players or, or divvying up when they can and can't play, Louis, mind-blowing. <laughs> Oh, Smithy, that's uh, that is quite incredible. If Campbell was right, and and he is, Richie Moonga has started the last five games. If Richie Moonga sits out of the biggest regular season game of Super Rugby Pacific this season, it's a mockery of the competition. It's a mockery, and and Scott Robertson's about to take this job next year. So, what's that conversation going to be like with New Zealand rugby this week? Watch this space. Yeah. Watch the space, all right. Um, it is 9.23. We'll be back shortly. You went to uh, this live event, of course, the first one ever in Australia. Were you keeping an open mind in terms of uh, what you were thinking and in and, and, and terms of uh, institution versus rebel, so to speak, to give them two tags? What was your thought going down to uh, and being involved in Adelaide? Yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect, Spinny, um, in regards to... Um, the format is so different with the 54 holes and the 12 teams with the shotgun start. So there are elements of live that I love, and, and I love the, the idea of the big names. Uh, I like the idea that it is a little bit shorter, and I like uh, the idea that you can win money at the bottom of the table if you're involved in the right team. But I wasn't sure uh, and wasn't fully sold on, on live themselves, and I know that we've had... Um, well, there's been plenty of publicity in regards to 
to the golf and the defect and defecting of, of players off the PGA to to live. But after witnessing it, um, I, I can I can honestly say I don't think I'll ever miss a live event in Australia ever again. Wow, it had left that much impression on you. What was it that was it the whole package? Uh, I mean, you know, or was it the golf? I mean, if you're just a golf fan, were you converted into the whole thing? And just as a golf fan, Smithy, I mean, the golf was was excellent. Now, the Grange Golf Club's not a notoriously hard course. They knew they were going to go low. Um, but the quality of golf we saw, I mean, never before have we seen a player in a professional uh, tournament shoot back-to-back 62s. Now, that doesn't matter on what course you're on. Taylor Gooch lit it up. Um, yes, we're not seeing the DeChambos uh, and the Dustin Johnsons maybe go as low as they used to, but they're also not the players that they used to be before either. But the, from the quality of golf, Smithy, right through to the execution of the event, to how family-friendly it was, to how engaging um, they were with the fans, to, to their media departments, their, their, how they treated the media and the media centre when we were there, um, looking after us, their post-game, um, post-round entertainment. Uh, it was flawless. It, it's as good an event as I've been to anywhere in the world. I, I had Pat Wilf with me, who's been with on Channel 7 for 40-odd years and calling golf for 25 years, and he was blown away. He said, I wasn't sold. But he, he, was, he was almost speechless. It was, it was executed to, uh, to a T. You just couldn't get a better event. You name it, it was done right. So if we look at the demographic of the people that attended, I mean the fans that attended, we know the numbers were significant. Were they typical golf fans or, or perhaps slightly different? Uh, I mean, were there older people there, a lot of older people there who just stared for the golf as such? There were, and uh, I think it probably summed up the only time the demographic looked like it changed a little bit was maybe on the Friday night. There looked to be a few more younger people on the Friday because Fisher had obviously flown in from Coachella. But on Saturday and Sunday, it was little kids right through to, um, you know, your 80-year-olds that were diehards. And I had a couple of friends that came up from a little country town called Narracourt near Coonawarra Smithy and I'm sure you've had some of the Coonawarra Reds before and these guys were <laughs> diehard they're diehard golf golf guys and they weren't sure they came up and they said how fantastic is this it's exactly what golf needed exactly what it needed 54 holes quick you can get a team aspect so you can go for your favorite team I mean they did $700,000 worth of merchandise on the first day just in one merchandise marquee on one day. And if that doesn't tell you that the fans are turning up, well, I don't know what does. It does. It does. It does tell me they're turning up and they're prepared to spend money as well, quite clearly. Um, the, uh, you, you talk about a guy shooting uh, back-to-back 62s. We're talking Taylor Gooch here. It was not, I would imagine, one of the big-name draw cards there, along with Lahiri and Perez, who uh, rounded out the top three. Uh, what about the drama of nearly blowing a 10-shot lead? Well, we had Nico Hearn in the, in the commentary box with the Smithy, and I'm one of those ones, and I'm sure you are too, when you're calling things, you want it to be tight. And with a 10-shot lead, we'd never seen anyone give one up except for the Open in 1999. It's only been done once. So I was really rooting for him to get the wobbles up because we wanted a narrative. And 
he went flawlessly um, through the first few, but as soon as he hit seven and eight, we watched him lip a putt out, and I sort of glanced over at Nico Hearn and went, as he got the wobbles here, and then he, he hadn't, he'd gone bogey-free, and then he went bogey-double, and they were the, after that, his next three holes, he missed every fairway, which he hadn't done at all either. He hit 40 greens in regulation, so... Once that came off, Lahiri lipped out, missed a birdie putt to bring it back within three. Then it closed again, got to within two. Once Lahiri knew he missed a putt on 17, it was uh, on 16, should I say, uh, was going to be too far. But, yeah, there was definitely a mid-round wobble. And I think under the advice of uh, Malcolm Baker, his Australian caddy, he just sort of pulled him aside and said, mate, keep your head on here because, uh, yeah, an opportunity at $4 million US... Um, which is around six and a bit Aussie. Uh, you just want to make sure you keep your head screwed up as you can get through to the end. It would have been would have been something else maybe if we'd seen him go under with a ten shot lead. Amazing, it would have been something. Uh, but pressure is pressure, uh, and Live Golf it uh, appears as well. Okay, so what about uh, the fans and the team concept? I mean, you know, were they really going for the Aussies or etc.? Did they grasp that concept? They they really did, and uh, we had a chat to Greg Norman just before I touch on that, saying that, that the players are actually pushing for more of the prize money to be in the team uh, pool rather than in the individual pool. So the players have grasped it. The fans got around it. All the caps from each of the teams um, were, were being sold, and you could see everyone wearing their team colours. Now, the Aussies are the ripper team. Now, they, uh, they had a really bad first day, Jed Morgan, put in a bad one and um, once they sort of slipped down the bottom uh, they really weren't sighted at the top of the leaderboard so 3 million US up for grabs the players take it really seriously four people in the team obviously the top three scores count so if you're not even in the top 15 or 20 um, and, and your team is one shot behind and you're still on the course you you're essentially still have the putt for 3 million uh, or 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 the putt to get into third place for an extra million. So um, it, it makes it competitive right throughout the day uh, and over every hole, which is um, talking to Pat Welsh and Nico Hearn and, and everybody else has said it's a, a really old-school sort of golf nut. That's the thing that everyone seems to, seems to love, is that then no one's out of it until, it, uh, until the round is finished. Sounds like Australia could do more than host one live event on the strength of that then uh, when they look to increase the schedule? Uh, it's looking like that. Um, Greg Norman said that he'd already fielded phone calls. Uh, his phone had been running off the hook to host the event. Now, the Granges had um, or has a two-by-two two contract in place for more live events, but I, I think what you'll find after the turn-up here that um, there'll probably be more than one live event in Australia uh, they capped the Grange event at 25,000 so that they could get it right for the first event. But if they'd had 50 or 60,000 tickets a day there, they would have comfortably sold them. So uh, it was the hottest ticket in town, let me assure you, and especially the hottest ticket in town in those corporate areas uh, by the 12th hole because I'm not sure if you've seen the footage yet, Smithy, of Chase Kipka's ace on 12, but uh, they are scenes that's never really been seen before in golf at uh, in Australia and um, Matt Rogers came back um, to our commentary position and he said I played in World Cups uh, you know Wallabies kangaroos I played all around the world and he said that's one thing that will never leave my mind is seeing the scenes there on hole 12 
but Chase kept his hole in one. Staggering. Staggering, Miles. Uh, hey, look, thanks very much for giving us a bit of your time this morning. Well, it sounds like your voice might have to go and recover a wee bit. You might have... Uh, did you, the 19th hole sounds like it's a fun time. The 19th. Yeah, well, Smithy, five days of yelling down, <laughs> yelling down the broadcast. Look, I finally flew back into Melbourne last night at 10 o'clock and I had a couple of beers with the boys at the airport. Nothing too major. It's a little bit more of the screaming and the carrying on and the cheering than it was the 19th hole, Smithy. So I do apologise to you and your listeners, mate. <laughs> no, no apology needed. No apology needed. Totally understand. And uh, thanks for your, uh, uh, your, your sum- summary of uh, what happened over the weekend. It sounds like a unanimous tick in the box. Well done, mate. Thank you. And thanks for your broadcast as well. Great. Cheers. Uh, Smithy, thanks for having me on, mate. And uh, always happy to chat to you, my friend. Good on you. Uh, look forward to the next one then, uh, Miles. It's uh, absolutely fantastic. Of course, Miles Fitzner there uh, out of Australia. Sounds like it was an absolute winner if you were there, 9.46. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them Know when to fold them Smithy's multi Know when to walk away And know when to run Bet live on your favourite sports Download the TAB app today well, we got one up over the weekend, which was cool. Golden State beat Sacramento. The Bayonne beat Montpellier. It was very close. The Cowboys beat the Knights, of course, which was uh, also close. And the Dolphins came back to save us. <laughs> the Dolphins came back to beat the Titans. What a result that was. So $7.16. Good multi to have if you had a part of that today. Uh, a little bit of Monday night netty on tonight. Uh, it's the Northern Clash between the Stars and the Mystics. I'm going to take a six-and-a-half goal start. A six-and-a-half goal start for the Stars versus the Mystics. I think the Mystics will probably win, but it'll be very, very tight. $1.85 there. I'll take the Nuggets to beat the Timberwolves a little later today at $1.52. And I'm not quite sure Pakistan can lose two T20s in a row to us uh, with our uh, B team. So I think they'll probably beat us, Pakistan, um, at $1.33. So that's uh, Stars plus 6.5 goals. Nuggets, Pakistan... $3.74, quiet start to the week, but uh, hopefully it will be a successful one. We're going to talk to uh, Michael McNabb um, after uh, 10 o'clock, which will be absolutely fantastic on the back of a weekend um, that, um, like every weekend, he can look back and cherish on uh, three winners of the three group races or the listed races, the, the big draw card events. He wrapped them up in um, the Lock Katrine Cheval Dior and White Noise did it so well. The grey in the last, uh, the last of those three was a really good run, very convincing. 9.53 here on SENZ. And if I had SENZ back then, I would have listened on 8.28am. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Looks like Kepik has done that, and this is coming in nicely. Might be a little long. Oh, no, this is right next to the pin. Oh, this could go in. It's running, it's tracking. Oh, in one chase, Kepka. The beers are absolutely flying onto the course. He's bitten it. He's bitten it. This is unbelievable. You can see it down here. It is going absolutely nuts. They are peppering 
this green and this fairway with beers, it is going berserk. Wow, that is unbelievable, guys. It is going nuts down here. They're going to need a team of 50 out here to pick up these beers. Uh, it's that is what you describe as bedlam, Smithy, and I can imagine you lobbing a few cans of export over the balcony. <laughs> nah, nah, sacrilege, sacrilege. I've seen a couple of holes in one. <laughs> that, is, that is that is quite that's quite something, isn't it? Um, and it shows, and that's that sort of carry on. It shows that honestly, it's like Ryder Cup esque, and and that sort of mingling of golfing, old, new, all of it. Oh, I think it's marvellous. Fantastic. we got Michael McNabb coming up uh, after the break. Uh, look forward to talking to New Zealand's champion jockey. Uh, say that without any reservation at all. His form is sublime. Has been for a long period of time now. So uh, we'll be catching up with him after the news here with Karen. On New Zealand Warriors up against the storm tomorrow night from 8.30 on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, we were going to do this interview last week, but of course uh, the timings weren't quite right. But uh, in the end, it was in everyone's best interest. We didn't get in the way because over the weekend, this fellow, Michael McNabb, had an absolute roiler. At the 150, it's uh, Lock Katrine in front. The Matador on the outside tries to charge from to catch a thief, but Lock Katrine, Lock Katrine will win it. Second over the Matador, third to catch a thief. Sassiness giving plenty, and don't write off Melfi Rosa along the inside, but Cheval Dor, the favourite, taking the lead. They've jumped out of trees to get on here, and Cheval Dor will land the big bet. Second over was Sassiness, third at the line. Havana starting to get away on now from Tabatakalu. Sebley is rattling home, but it's White Noise. What a day for Michael McNabb. Three big race wins today, and White Noise has uh, virtually dominated the Manco Easter. Second over was Havana. Third, we've got Tabatak. Yep, the stars to the line as they have for so often for Michael McNabb. Three black type races at Pukakui on Saturday. Three wins to uh, our first $4 million stakes winning jockey. What a story this is after winning his maiden premiership last year. Uh, Michael has come back this season, managed to build on his form to become our leading jockey one, uh, day in, day out, week in, week out. Great story. He's currently leading the premiership by 26 wins sitting on 126, astonishingly has won 17 group or listed races, pushing his prize money over 4 million bucks to become the first jockey in New Zealand to do just that. Still three months to go in the season, just by the by, folks, as well. So we're lucky to have him on the show this morning um, after a, another great weekend. Uh, Michael, uh, congratulations uh, on what you've achieved. Uh, what have you put it down to, man? It's just going so well for you. Yeah. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Um, just hard work and staying focused um, has been a real key for me and just being consistent with doing that. I find if, I, if I'm consistent, everything else sort of falls into place around that. You've had um, a, a terrific season to date, backing up from last year. 
Uh, what have been the the real highlights for you? Can you can you put it down to one or two rides and one or two um, successes? Oh, maybe not just pinpoint one. It's all been a great ride so far, um, and I'm just enjoying that. No, not 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 one one Pacific one. They're they're all good. So, um, no, nothing in particular really stands out. It, it's just all been great. Never. It's been so good to it's been so good to watch you, mate. Um, seriously, it just it is. And honestly, it's a pleasure to watch you kind of be dialed in and, and as you say, consistent. That's it's so hard to do what you guys do because you. I mean, you look at other sports people, and I put you jockeys on the same pedestal as our top footy players or our basketballers or whatever, but you guys work so much. You know, you have so many rides. So how do you find that consistency? Because inevitably you're going to get it wrong every once in a while, right? Yeah, you can't get them all right. I suppose you go back and look at my ride on Lock Katrine the start before, I just didn't work out. You can't get them all right, but um, just... As you just, I just think you just got to stay, as I said, consistent. And if you stay consistent, it sort of takes the mistakes away, um, and they don't have, seem to happen as often. Michael, the track conditions were brutal at Pukekohe. They changed the rain. I mean, the first three or four races, we could hardly see horse or jockey down the back straight. It was that uh, thick. Um, how much then um, do you have to change in your thinking, etc.? I mean. You know, it just appears that, you know, there's a lot of late scratchings. What is your thought plan then when it rains like that? Um, well, early on in the day, as you said, you could hardly see. So I'd, that was a concern to start off with because if the rain had carried on, when, um, we might not have been able to get through the meetings because about race three, I come in and I, and I was a little bit concerned because I couldn't see a lot. We had only gone at 1,200 metres in a small field. But um, you just got to sort of change you got all your plans and then you sort of just got to change on the go and just make sure you're on the ball and know what's come out and know sort of just be looking where the best parts of the track are there's a few things going but you just got to sort of be on the job um whole way out through the day we don't hear too much technically about what your top jockeys are doing can you try and give us a little bit of an insight never about where you've physically been able to excel over the last couple of years? Because I imagine your riding style has probably developed, especially as you're getting more consistent. So are there one or two things you can kind of talk us through as best you can about what you're doing, whether it's with your hands, your posture, or how you're riding the horses? Oh, a lot of mine comes from um, my training I do off the track. So I do a lot of fitness, which helps. Um, and then, then you all, of course, you always feel better on a horse. Um, but, yeah, a lot of mine comes from what I do off the track now um, with my fitness. What what sort of things are you doing? Because I have seen different jockeys. You get the the hype videos, the mixtapes of your Huey Bowmans and your James McDonald's out of Sydney in these <laughs> glamorous gyms. But what, what sort of things are you doing? Because, you know, I'm sure you do a fair bit of running, but is there kind of core work or you, what muscles do you look to target? Yeah, a lot of core work. Um, I, I do, personally, I do a lot of core work. Um, I find that's really good for me. Um, and, and a lot of running. Yeah, fair enough. What, what about diet? I mean, it's the it's one of the great subjects of, uh, of the I would imagine, the most riders, um, having to look and, and consider their weight options at certain times on uh, 
race days, etc. What about uh, Michael McNabb and the diet side of things and the the weight problems, or do you have any? Um, so um, my diet consists of the same thing every day. So I'll eat salmon and salad every day if I'm riding, or every day during the week, Monday to Monday to Saturday, and then I'll have Sundays off. But I, I eat the same thing every day, day in, day out, and I just find that's another part of if I can consistently eat that, um, my weight's really good, and obviously <clears throat> it's not as hard to, to ride the lighter weights, but that's another thing with I've found consistency. As I said before, I just consistently eat the same thing, and it works really well for me. <laughs> that is, mate. There'll be people listening to this thing, and that's bonkers. And and it's it's no one said it was easy being being a top jockey. But what about when you get a holiday? They're like, do you, what do you go to? Just steak? Yeah. What, what's your when you get a chance? What is it? Yeah, I, I do love a steak. Um, I do love eating eating at nice restaurants. So that's that's always nice. But that'll only be now. I'll have two or three days where I might do that and just, and then the rest of the time it's just about focusing on getting back to riding. So when I come back, I'm in good shape. Mm, fair enough, mate. And you'd say you like eating at good restaurants, so I guess we'll, we'll address the elephant in the room. You've, you've had a fill-up this year, um, and fair mm. enough, you've, you've worked hard for it. So $4 million, I try to explain this, but I really, to be honest, I only understand part of it. Like a lot of that comes from getting good rides, but I always thought it was a bit chicken and egg getting good rides because you got to be winning to get support from connections and trainers, but you got to only win if you're on the right rides. So, I mean, being the premiership jockey obviously has its benefits because I'm sure you're getting more support. But how do you kind of explain that as to where you're kind of getting the right rides and? Um, it's a massive part of it because you can only be so good if you've got until you get the right horsepower, right? Yes, that's the that's the key ingredient, the horse. Um, but I suppose winning and then people ring. Um, but if if you yeah, you've got to be winning on the on the racetrack to be for people to be ringing. And I'm lucky that I, I'm supported by the biggest stables. Um, so that helps, but yeah, just you've got to be doing well on the race course for people to be ringing. So I don't really know. Um, Michael, is, are you uh, confident in the future of, of our jockeys coming forward? I mean, you're a senior rider now, you're our champion jockey, but when you look at uh, the, the riders that have perhaps retired or gone overseas that you used to be uh, riding alongside you, when you look at the future, how, co- uh, how confident are you in the standard we've got coming through? Um, oh, we, we could do a lot better, maybe. Um, we've got some good young kids coming through. We've got a couple of good little South African boys that have come over. Um, there's a lot of lot of younger jockeys that haven't started riding yet. Um, oh, we could we could be a lot deeper in our riding ranks, but um, hopefully that comes with uh, if racing gets needs to sort of pick up maybe a little bit more here to to invite make it more inviting for the younger generation. Obviously, it's not not easy being an apprentice, so, um, but oh, look, we've got some good young kids there, though. 
yeah, there's enough bright spots to be positive, isn't there, Neba? But I think it's the whole industry as 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 one. You kind of can't just target the the riding side of it, though. I mean, there's positive things happening, and I know that you won't you'll be absolutely fizzing to get out at Ellerslie when it's redeveloped with some big stake money and have a crack there. On a personal note, though, I mean, you what are you, 37, 38, and you're probably riding the best you ever have. Do you have international aspirations? Smithy actually asked me this the other day, and I. I did my best to read your mind, but I don't really know. Like, what if a Hong Kong came knocking or something? You, you, do you have those sort of thoughts? Yeah, of course I do. I, it's, it's dreams. You've got a dream, don't you? And you've got to have goals and um, to give you something to work really hard for. And if I keep working hard here, they they might come and ask. But um, and I mean, they just released their prize money for the new season and it's 3.8 million for a class one every Sunday um, of course that would be amazing but I, I need to do the right things here um, in New Zealand before that could even be a possibility How does that work mate? Like, and you, You're right, you've got to keep doing keep on. but like, let's be honest, you're on the radar and, and this season's been well, it's been historic, as we've mentioned earlier. So how does that play out? Do you need to be asking the right questions? Do you have people doing that work for you? Uh, no, no, I don't. I haven't even, as I said, I, I dreamed of maybe one day riding there, but no, I haven't had anyone reach out to them or anyone behind the scenes trying to get me a contract there, no. Mm, okay. All right. Well, Michael, uh, it's been great uh, catching up with you. Incidentally, uh, uh, if you've got time, um, what's your greatest interest to, uh, away from racing? Uh, do you have time for any other sport or any other activity? No, I don't. Um, racing, racing is my life now, and um, I put racing in, in front of everything. Um, I'm really passionate about it now, and no, it's it's my hobby, and... It's my main focus, and if I have a day off, I spend it with my family, and um, and that that keeps me very satisfied in life. Yeah, that's wonderful. Great balance that you seem to have, and I imagine that's one of the reasons you're damn so so damn successful, um, including uh, the possibility of riding a nice one. And now these are Louis' notes. These I'm not uh, asking you for a winner or anything <laughs> of that nature, but he said you're on um, a, a reasonable type called Just a Floozy in race three at Avondale tomorrow. So, any any in, inkling there? Uh, never ridden there, but from what I've seen, Louis might be pointing you in the right direction there. She looks um she looks a lovely horse. Now, now but Smithy didn't say what I actually wrote. I said uh, the quote unquote little rocket ship. What do you reckon? Yeah, looks like it. <laughs> looks like she might take off. <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Hey, oh, we're, we're so stoked yeah. for you, mate. Thanks, thanks for making some time for us. One day off this week, but you're gonna keep you'll you'll keep riding winners. And uh, I, honestly, mate, it, it was so cool to watch you just start carving it up over the last couple of years. And it's just the start, really. So all the best, and we'll talk again soon. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, you just have a good day and a good week. And um, yeah, hopefully be back on the show soon. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Mike, Mike you will. You will indeed. We only have champions on here, and you're certainly one of those, uh, Michael. Uh, continue the great work. Uh, speaking of uh, champions, we've got two on the panel as well coming up. We've got Brad Lewis and Nigel Yeldon. Uh, of course, uh, caught a lot of sport over uh, his time, Nigel Yeldon. So uh, interesting thoughts. We'll talk about the Chiefs, the Crusaders, 
Uh, salary cap for the NRL, trying to poach some more rugby players. Interesting that as well, isn't it? That's a subject. 10.18 here on SCNZ. Burton Agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Yes, we're joined this morning, and uh, I'm glad to say this too, by uh, Brad Lewis and uh, Sky Sports commentator Nigel Yeldon. And uh, Brad, uh, good morning to you. Uh, Chiefs Crusaders this weekend. Um, I think uh, Super Rugby needs this matchup, uh, and it has to be a bottler for me, and it probably will be. Good morning. Surprised Nigel got out of bed after Tottenham got walloped by six goals this morning, but, um, you know, so, so be it. Um, yeah, look... Um, <laughs> Um, uh, Chiefs Crusaders, uh, you're right. This is look. Given the fact that um, I firmly believe this, the NRL has completely outdone uh, Super Rugby this year in terms of the on-field product. This is the game that we need, right? Like uh, this is a bona fide all-black trial. Let's hope that both teams are at full strength and that there's no silly stand-downs and everyone passes fitness tests because this will be a true test match of, of the, the grandest scale in a World Cup year. Um, I've been so impressed with the Chiefs, Smithy. I think. They have uh, one of the best coaches on the planet right now, and Clayton McMillan, um, who's done, who's, who's, you know, things with that side um, at the moment. And yeah, uh, Damian McKenzie playing sensational rugby. It's just exciting uh, against the Crusaders side that I think is starting to get those, uh, all, those, those. They're getting into fifth gear in a, in a five-gear car, so to speak, Smithy. So they've been cruising along in third gear, and they went up to fourth a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it's all on. I can't wait. It's going to be a great game of rugby. You do realise I've uh, been a Tottenham supporter for about 46 years. <laughs> you do realise that, don't you, Brad? I, I do. And look, mate, I can't talk because my team's been absolutely cack all season, as Nigel will probably point to in about 23 seconds' time. <laughs> It'll be less than that. Morning to you, Nigel Yeldon. You can return serve if you like. Well, I just look at the table, and yeah, I understand that was a, you know not the greatest result, but look, in terms of inconsistency, I think even Liverpool's out inconsistency, Tottenham Hotspur this year, so let's stick with the, the rugby, and, and, and I've got to reiterate as well what um, Brad has said, I think these are the games that Super Rugby need, especially when people do make the comparison, and it happens every year, we make the comparison, we see these amazing, tight, close games peppered throughout the NRL. And we just don't see enough of those at the moment in, in Super Rugby. Not on, a, not on a, a really almost, you might get one a week if you're lucky sometimes. Um, Super Rugby really do need this one to be good. They need it to be high quality. They need all the rock stars playing. And I think that's what you're going to get. And the other great thing you know about this here is these are two franchises who really do love to beat each other. No matter where the game is being played, a win means something over the other to both of these particular teams. So, yeah, the competition needs it. Um, I think that um, it would be a great look as well, obviously, for Ian Foster and his selectors as they do start to really dial in. These are the sort of games, Smithy, you know this as well as I do. Same with Brad. These are the sort of games that the All Black selectors just throw a little bit of extra waiting on when they are looking later on to really finalise things up. So, they're there. I'm, I'm not going to call it now, now All Black trial. But you know for a fact that it does carry a little bit more uh, kudos when they're sitting around the selection table. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and it should, because uh, you're looking at pressure environments, and that's what World Cups are uh, clearly all about. Nigel, what have you put the Chiefs' um, performance thus far down to uh, overall? Any one major factor you can look at and say, there's the difference this year? Oh, look, I, I think, one, they clearly know what their game plan is. They are executing it ex- extremely well. They're incredibly together. It's, it's, it's the old sporting sheet cliche, Smithy. Everybody knows what their job is. They're not worried too much about what the other people are doing. They are trusting the fact that if you do your job and I do my job, we're going to end up winning more games than losing. At the moment, they haven't lost one at all. So I think that's really what it comes down to. It's a great togetherness. Uh, the culture is as good as I've ever seen at the Chiefs. Um, and I've been lucky enough to cover them for a wee while, and they've had some wonderful cultures. And that comes down to the bloke at the top and and Clayton McMillan filtering down through the senior players and the other members of the coaching staff. Um, they just know exactly what they want to do. They are handling situations really well, playing good, efficient rugby, which is also very entertaining to watch. Uh, Brad, there was some great boxing over the weekend. I've got to say, um, mm. I, I witnessed a fight which I thought uh, was absolutely fantastic um, over the weekend, and that was uh, Cordina. Um, up against uh, mm-hmm. his uh, Russian counterpart, whose name, uh, Rakimov, um, which was outstanding, could have gone either way. But uh, that wasn't even the big one. It was uh, Davis against Garcia, yeah? Yeah, and also one of the best women's boxers on the planet, Sky Nicholson, who we should keep an eye on. She's Australian. Um, she fights under Eddie Hearn's banner. She, This girl is very, very, very special, and look out for her um, uh, down the line as well. But, yeah, um, Garcia and, and the tank, Javonta Davis, who uh, a lot of people believe is probably the best, as they say, Smithy pound-for-pound champion at the moment. Um, and, and Ryan Garcia was, was a young kid on the block, undefeated, uh, who a lot of people thought had the ability and skill set to test the tank, um, Javonta Davis, and man, were they prove wrong, knocked down in the second round and then finished with a, with a glorious body shot in the seventh. And, and for people that sort of don't really understand, I've never been punched in the body uh, in, a, in a professional boxing belt, but I've been told um, by, by people who are much more qualified than me that it, it's like your whole entire body shuts down when you get punched in the, it's like in the kidneys, right? And you just you can't move, and he took a knee, um, and couldn't answer the count. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people are hoping that this sets up a Devin Haney, Javonta Davis fight. Devin Haney's got a little bit of work to do. He's got a fight coming up uh, very shortly, I think, against Vasily Lamachenko. Um, so he gets through that fight, and we could see a mega lightweight fight um, for all the bouts um, in the not-too-distant future between Devin Haney and uh, and Javonta Davis, although Vasily Lomachenko is an extremely talented boxer himself. So, uh, yeah, boxing uh, back on the rise. You know, combat sports, uh, MMA's been sort of taking the uh, headlines recently, but, uh, yeah, that was a, it's been a great weekend of, of uh, the sweet science, Smitty. Yeah, I'll come back to you actually on that because we've got Fight for Life this week as well, uh, Brad, but we're going to take a quick news break with uh, Karen. Uh, When we come back, Nigel Yeldon, I'm going to give you um, an opportunity to answer Peter Vlandis trying to rob more players for the NRL. Uh, That's coming up here, uh, part two of the panel. Commentary of the One New Zealand Warriors up against the storm tomorrow night from 8.30 on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Brad Lewis, Nigel Yeldon with us this morning. And uh, Nigel, yes, uh, Peter Volandis, who has uh, just been an amazing administrator for both racing and rugby league in Australia during some pretty tough times, is now freeing up some salary cap while I look at things for the clubs to start poaching some more rugby players. What do you need of that? No, I, I'd imagine 
um, Australian rugby would be very concerned because uh, if you look at their super teams, they can ill afford to lose many. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I think this is this is a fascinating wee battle through the media because Hamish McClellan's not exactly backing down. I think he made a comment sort of post this one talking about, oh, I didn't think Rugby League was scared of our little game. So these guys are sort of throwing shots at each other left, right and centre. It is quite interesting. To, Smithy, to me, it seems a little bit overreactionary. Um, I know they got Joseph uh, so Ali'i, and they've got him, but that's, what, 2024? There's a lot of talk about Haas and, and Murray and a few others. And um, I know that league's quite keen to get the likes of a Max Jorgensen uh, back from from Union too. So, look, I, I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm going, OK, fine. If you're going to free up some money, that's going to be great if you're a player. I, I read the comments as well about how they were looking at not only sort of players from other sports, including rugby, but also looking at players out of... Argentina looking at college players that don't get NFL contracts, freeing up money for them to be able to come in um, and, and draw those players into the game too. But you know, obviously, it's a it's a great story because of the battle at the moment. And look, that, that's really the only attention that Rugby Australia is getting at the moment because look, Force had a nice win over the Highlanders, sure, and the Brumbies are going great. But I mean, they're, they're just not getting the interest on the field. And so this is actually probably, Valandries is actually helping give Rugby Australia a little bit more publicity. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested in where this goes, but I'm thinking it's more just, if I can use the phrase, it just seems like it's a bit of a public dick swinging comp at the moment. Look, you can. Uh, by, all, um, by all means, you can. Uh, I need to um, uh, I need to ask you too, Nigel. Uh, you've been around the rugby scene a long time. You've watched a lot of Super Rugby. Have the Waratahs and the rugby in New South Wales ever been poorer? <laughs> it's disappointing, isn't it? it? It really is disappointing when you think about some of those those great teams that we used to enjoy and watch, and led by the likes of old mate Phil Coons in particular. But yeah, it's it, it is it's it's not only disappointing, it is worrying because whether New Zealand fans will admit it or not, it's. Having a good Australian side is not the worst thing on the planet. Um, and it, it really does worry you when... Look, I, I know the talent's there, and I expect Eddie Jones to get the best out of this talent because Eddie's at his best sort of first sort of 18 months to two years with a new group, um, which is why I think the Aussies are actually going to be quite dangerous come Rugby World Cup time, Smithy. But look, there's, there's so many things that Australian rugby need to get right. I think they've got the right guy in there with, with Eddie Jones. I know he's going to draw attention. Again, he'll, he'll get good publicity. He always gives good quotes. Um, but, yeah, they, they really just need to knuckle down and just try and try and get some performances going, Smith, because, what, Brumby's in the top. Uh, what, they've lost, only lost one game, so they're second on the table at the moment. There are two other Aussie teams in the top eight, but you know, they're with losing records. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's a hell of a lot going on for Australian rugby at the moment and, and fighting the NRL publicly not good, yeah, when one of your real traditional powerhouses, New South Wales, is battling a little bit, you know, that doesn't help anything at all. Do you think um, that, Brad, that uh, salary cap issue um, and being freed up a wee bit will have uh, any impact on, on what you're seeing around rugby circles? I mean, would it stretch this far, for instance? Do you mean as in the NRL salary cap being freed up? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Look, potentially, um, 
I mean, you know, there's, we know Smithy, the talent that's in um, in high school rugby. I mean, Nigel's called a whole bunch of those games himself, and and you know, we've seen the likes of in the past, Comrade Harrah. I mean, Roger Tuivasa-Sheik himself was a sensational young, uh, rugby player, played for the Blues under 19 side. So, yeah, look, I think um, the, is the NRL potentially preparing themselves for a war because rugby union does have a, a little bit of money, but. Uh, at the end of the day, like rugby league is a much bigger game in Australia than than rugby union. Is rugby union sort of fifth or sixth on the on the on the table? So, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, if you're if you're, but we we deal with those pro- New Zealand high schools deal with those problems anyway, where they're getting players poached from rugby league clubs. Um, it, it happens all the time. So I don't know if it's going to change so much here. I think there's just a battle at the moment going on in Australia for broadcast dollar and for the eyes of the punters. Righty, it's Brad, timing, uh, fight though, for life. It, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, you're right. It's timing. Uh, it's abs- yeah. it, it's spot yeah. on. Seizing the right, seizing the right moment at the right time. Um, you know, you, you, uh, the agents are uh, the big winners here. Um, quite clearly, the agents are, uh, are going to be the big winners here. Uh, uh, Brad, Brad, can I ask you this? Uh, fight for life. Um, what are you looking forward mm. to? Any any bout in particular? Uh, I'm taking my money on Liam Messon versus Justin Hodges. Uh, down for that. Um, I think Liam Messon's even indicated that potentially a, a post-rugby career in boxing might be on the cards for that man, and I certainly wouldn't want to get in the ring with him. So take my money on that. But look out for Andre Mihailovic. Uh, we talk about uh, we were talking about you know great boxers before. This kid is very very special. He's got charisma and he has the talent to back it up. Also Jerome Pampelon, very very good fighter, and Miyamoto fighting for a world title as well. I know that. Dean Lonigan's not for everybody. Um, sometimes he's not even for me. But uh, he um, he puts together really good cards, and and there's some really good good fights on this card. Not just the celebrity fights, but Mihailovic and Pampelon are the future of New Zealand boxing, and I'm really looking forward to seeing those two guys in action. Yeah, I, I am too. Actually, uh, I think it's quite an exciting time. Um, bit of a problem for Lydia Co over the weekend. The first major, the Chevron, Nigel. Uh, Lydia not uh, faring at all well. In fact, very rarely she misses a cut at a big tournament. She did. Yes, she did. Um, I mean, look, she wasn't alone. I see the defending champ, Jennifer Cupcho, she also failed to make the, the cut. So too, Lexi Thompson. So it's not like the everybody else of the big guns were sort of charging away and Lids was left behind. Look, you know, it happens. It's golf. Um, but, I mean, a little bit of surprise. I mean, she hadn't played a whole lot. I'm sure she would have been working because she's got an amazing work ethic, but she hadn't been playing a lot of tournament play in the lead-up to that particular tournament. But, look, uh, we have seen this lady over a decent length of time to know, Okay, we can say, well, what is it like? Is it the start of something? People will start going, oh, well, she got married recently. Rubbish. It's one tournament. It's Lydia Ko. Mm. Get back to me if she misses maybe three or four more cuts in her next seven or eight tournaments. And, Smitty, that ain't going to happen. What about Live Golf, uh, Nigel? Uh, it seemed, if you were on course, it was absolutely the place to be. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sold on it. It might take me a long time to be sold on it. But, certainly, um, it's a be there event, not uh, so much for anything else. Yeah, look, it's interesting, isn't it? I know there was a bit of there was a, a bit of banter going back and forward with regards to when I think it was uh, uh, the other Kepka, uh, not the one that sort of challenges for majors, but the other one that's riding his Chase. coattails. He had the hole in one. Gets it. Yeah. And um and and everything's going absolutely nuts and all that. Oh, where would you see that anywhere in the world? And of course, people are going, yeah, Scottsdale, <laughs> Phoenix Open guy. Where the hell have you been? 
you know, there are other places that do do this. But look, you got to say they're very good at promoting themselves. They have to be because there's quite a few people that just don't want to go near it with a bar of soap. Um, don't want to go near Greg Norman with a bar of soap. Um, so, look, it, it is what it is. People seem to enjoy themselves. I'm all for people enjoying themselves at sport. But, yeah, I'm a bit like you, Smithy. They, they're welcome to it. Give me the PGA Tour, the LPGA. Give me the Champions Tour. Give me Stevie Alker and Company. That's a bit of me. Yeah. Their, well, um, their TV, their yeah, TV go- ratings in the US are, are, are really bad as well. Like they are not rating, um, so they're really fighting. For, I think they only got seven hundred and fifty thousand on the on the last round of a tournament a couple of weeks ago, which you know, like that that for American audience is pitiful. So, um, they've I think they've alienated the audience that they're trying to attract, right? By by being this breakaway tour, so um, that they're really having to fight to you know the, the TV network spent a lot of money on Live Golf and it's not delivering, so they're under a lot of pressure. Well, I think that's right. Um, I, I, they are under pressure, and uh, we all know about uh, television ratings and advertising and things of that nature. But it's a slightly different thing, isn't it? When your 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 pot is limitless, it seems with Saudi money, Nigel. <laughs> I, was about, I was about to say, I don't <laughs> think money's really the issue for this tour. Smitty. I don't think we've <laughs> got any worries in that particular regard. No, you're absolutely right, uh, but it won't, um, it's nothing, uh, I mean, I, I go back two weeks, I'll take the drama and the atmosphere and everything at the Masters any day of the week, but that's probably a reflection of my age anyway. Uh, 10.42 here on SCNZ, we've been with the Nigel Yeldon and Brad Lewis on the panel. Gentlemen, um, have a terrific day, terrific Anzac day, and thanks so much for your time. All the very best. Uh, that's uh, coming up here, 10.42, uh, we'll be back shortly. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Geniuses, that's what they're calling you. Geniuses, the good oil <laughs> over the weekend. You did it again. Goodness me. Ah, oh, Smithy. Yeah, well, Greg O'Connor, he's two from two, mate. So this is the thing. Stephen McKee, he might have had one of the greatest racehorses of all time in his care, but he's got to be careful because he's not a trainer anymore. And he reckons he's a tipster. So, sticko, Greg O'Connor's throwing the the gauntlet down at you, and if you're going to keep taking weekends off, you better hope that it's not GOC taking your spot. I don't know, Smithy. Um, Greg's he's going pretty good. He is going pretty good. Did, did you guys, you guys, were going to walk the track or something? Did, did that eventuate? <laughs> we were going to walk the track. The issue was, uh, well, I'm a sook, and um, Greg was getting his hair cut, and it was absolutely hosing down on Friday, so we didn't want to float away. So we thought we'd leave it, and it was heavy track racing at, at Rickerton and um, Pukekohe Park, but some, some awesome results. A couple of my highlights, Albie McGregor. Now, not a very well-known trainer. He's had a couple of jumpers throughout the years and a couple of nice horses. But he's got this wonderful guy, Time's Ticking. And Time's Ticking won the Canterbury Gold Cup, and he did it in the hard part of the track, and he just was clearly the best horse in the race. And Albie McGregor, he basically run, comes down from Opa, Opaki, which is just out of Masterton, I think. Smith. Yes, it is. Yep, it is. Now, Opaki's uh, resident trainers are Jim Wallace and Albie McGregor. Jim Wallace has just been winning Group 1s in Australia with Pennywicker, then Albie McGregor's won the, the Group 2 down here with Time's Ticking. So they're going very good, those two gentlemen. 
Uh, very strong, very, very strong. Incidentally, uh, we had a horse in up the weekend, carried 58 in the mud at uh, Rickerton, uh, Kukulin. A uh, bit disappointed in that. 58 for a two-year-old, giving away too much weight and uh, didn't sort of cop the ground too well. So a bit disappointing in that. In that. Uh, what's oh. the forecast for the next two weeks? Have you got a two-week forecast in Christchurch? Are they going to be any <laughs> decent days? <laughs> It'll be wet, Smithy. I'll tell you, I'd say mm-hmm. it's heavy tracks from here on in. I mean, unless we, unless we do get it. It's actually been pretty mild, but... Um, I saw Kirk Cullen. Look, he was all right. He was good. You can't you can't expect too much. He, he over raced. He was in the tough part of the track, and he had a lot of weight. What are you going to do? Uh, he, he'll keep, mate. He will keep. Let's not worry about that. But Brian, tomorrow we've got something very exciting, and the bookies haven't opened the odds, but that's okay because they won't miss. They wouldn't have missed this one anyway. Just a floozy brings them for home. Four hundred to go. Length and a half drifted, getting to the outside. The colt by Stefanos. Further back in the field, then to the Ardross and Gelding back on the inner. And followed by the Rock to Cam Philly. Further away, Dr. Livingstone and I'm Bindi travelling beautifully here. Just a floozy. Oh, this I am invincible, Philly. Here's one we all should be following. Look at her. Accelerate away for a big, big win. Second over drifted. Third over was Ardross and Gelding. Big, big win. Just a floozy out of the old floozy smithy, who I'm sure you spent a buck on back in the day. Back in the day, sure did. Absolutely. Okay, so that's tomorrow. And that's Avondale, folks. And that's, of course, uh, Anzac Day racing after, uh, I think, 1 o'clock. So, yeah, look forward to that. Uh, Keep that one in your hat. Uh, We're looking for tips all the time here, and uh, that's what we've got to go to now, um, the TAB after the break and uh, just see what's uh, up for grabs today in terms of uh, value for money. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.57 coming up and it's uh, time to catch up uh, with uh, Paul Mawati um, on our busiest uh, Monday in terms of uh, American sport. Uh, the playoffs are really hotting up, uh, Paul, in the NBA. Yeah, they certainly they certainly are, Smitty. I thought I'd just mention the golf, though. Uh, the LPGA's first major of the year, the Chevron Championship, formerly the ANA Inspiration. And we've got Lilia Vu in the clubhouse at 10 under and Angel Yin with a six or six seven foot uh, putt for birdie on the 18th hole uh, to go into a playoff with Lilia Vu. So um, before the tournament started, Angel Yin was paying around 101 dollars. Number of punters jumped on, and I think Lilia Vu was 31 to win uh, the first major of the year. It looks like we're going to a playoff because Angel Yin has just uh, knocked in that birdie putt. Um, so plenty of live betting for punters still to get on. Uh, you did mention the NBA, of course, and we've uh, got a number of playoff games, a couple more today. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks take on the Boston Celtics. This is game four in their series. The Hawks picked up a win in game three to make that series a wee bit more interesting. Uh, the Celtics are still fairly comfortable favourites, though. They're seven and a half point favourites. They're $1.32 to win game four in that series. The Hawks at three twenty-five. And then the late game today, the Minnesota Timberwolves up against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets have just been way too good uh, for Minnesota, unfortunately. The Nuggets, they're $1.53 to win uh, this and sweep the Timberwolves in that series. Timberwolves, two forty-five, And the Nuggets are four-point favourites there. And, of course, the Warriors tomorrow. 
They're taking on the Melbourne Storm. We can't turn the tap off. The Warriors are just getting backed and backed to their 370 outsiders, 12.5-point underdogs, and the punters can't get enough. They love the Warriors. They love the Warriors. What's the betting like, Paul? Would you have any idea on Super Rugby? Is it consistently good as it has been in previous years? Uh, I don't have the exact figures in front of me, but just uh, just a sort of a feeling. It doesn't seem to be as, um, I guess as we have seen in other years, and I don't know if that's because a number of players are getting arrested or some of the games just haven't been very competitive at all, uh, as opposed to the uh, NRL. Thanks for that, Paul. Uh, Have a terrific day and uh, enjoy uh, Anzac Day as well uh, tomorrow. We will have uh, Andrew Voss uh, after 11 o'clock. Who wouldn't you have? Uh, have? We had Brandy the last couple of weeks. Who wouldn't you rather have? Uh, It's got to be Vossy, doesn't it? Because uh, the Rugby League has got a long, a long round and of course it's tomorrow, tomorrow night, the Warriors and the Storm and Anzac Day special. Vossi next. Well, why not, Peter? Why wouldn't Peter have a crack? Um, he's there, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a fierce rugby league man, he's at the helm of rugby league. If we can stir the pot, why not? Why not? It happens over here. See, you don't live in the world over here there. We have AFL as well. See, we often have, you know, shots fired across the bow between AFL and rugby league in the past. So we can have three-way battles. So you're only just experiencing the rugby union and rugby league side of things. But we also often have rugby league v AFL. Um, so, you know, we're used to it. Uh, a lot of people fire, find it tiresome. I don't mind. I, I, I get over it pretty quick. I don't live in the outrage. I don't live in the outrage world, Smithy. So I, you know, I can just get on with it. It's just in the news cycle. You live in the world of uh, commentary. That's where you live, and uh, the world of uh, breakfast radio. You're such a busy bloke. Uh, but calling some great NRL action uh, this particular season, uh, Vossi, and we continue to marvel at um, some of these results. And let's. Uh, Go back in time, shall we? Just a little way to uh, the Rabbitohs in uh, Penrith. That was uh, a, a pot boiler to kick us off. Well, we've gone past the point now talking about the start to the year has been one of the best ever. We're now two months in, Smithy. You know, this is round eight, and it continues. It's Thursday night was a classic, uh, Rabbitohs and Panthers, and the Rabbitohs getting up to win. Um, first time this year that Panthers had conceded 18 or more in a game. I thought the Panthers were great. And the Rabbitohs were just a fraction better to, to get the result. Um, just an outstanding game of rugby league. South Sydney, where, where do I rank them? Well, I think they're a big hope. I really do think they're a big hope of challenging for this year's premiership. And Penrith, while not as good as previous years, are still going to be thereabouts. So um, bring it on the next time those two sides battle. Because the Souths haven't had a good record against Penrith for a number of years now, Smithy. So that was... That was a big win for them, I think, for you know, mentally too, um, to beat Penrith. To suffer another loss to the Panthers would have been uh, not soul-destroying, but would have had them saying, well, are we ever going to beat these guys? Crichton, Stephen Crichton, all 18 points for the Panthers. But uh, at the end of it, um, uh, Cleary, Ivan Cleary, just a little bit lost for ideas at the post-match. Uh, well, what happened is a bit unfortunate in that game too, uh, because they had injury to their left winger. Uh, Tito Taruva is injured and comes from the field. So Ivan Cleary has to tactically um, make a decision. How do I cover for the loss to the left winger? 
Crichton was having a stormer at right centre, but he's had to move him to left wing. And if you break it down, the you know the match winning play, Jamin Salmon is caught out horribly in defence, playing at right centre for Penrith. So if Ivan could go back and have his time over again, and it's all with the benefit of hindsight, does he come up with another plan rather than moving Crichton to left? I don't know what the alternative was, but it, it backfired on them. That unfortunate um, you know redeployment of the troops late in the game. Broncos uh, march on quite well um, over the Eels, 26-16, just a little bit too much strike power. Yeah, Darwin, shame about the weather because a good crowd and it sort of turned a bit monsoonal there. Uh, I Look, Br- Broncos are a side that have um, added, with the experience of last year, and they fell in a heap at the end of last season, uh, there is no question anyone who's watched the Broncos games since the start of the season, they've, they've now got a couple of extra gears about their attack. And as the season unfolds, it's going to be, uh, will their defence hold up in big games? Because the Broncos have proven that they can score 20, 30 points every game they play, and Parramatta weren't able to go with them. Parramatta didn't have those extra gears the other night, yet the margin in the end only says 10 points. But I thought, you know, Broncos consistent, uh, consistently good in the game. And the hip drop tackle dilemma was uh, to the forefront from that game. And you ask me to come on this program and give some sort of, um, quote, expert, unquote, opinion. I don't know what to say about the hip drop. All I know is I don't think I don't think the officials know because I don't see how you can have a situation with a pain house tackle on Regan Campbell-Gillard. The bunker review it, and there's no penalty at the time, and yet later the match review committee find a charge and he's now suspended. That means, and I say this with respect... They don't know. They are obviously not clear, our own officials. And that's a that's quite a dilemma, isn't it, to be in? If your officials at the game, in the bunker, don't know what to make of the tackles, and we then do it post-match, then we, you know, Houston, we have a problem. Just uh, before we leave um, the, the Broncos, um, what are you seeing or hearing about Payne Haas and a possible move? to uh, Rugby Union. Have you heard anything about that? Well, look, there, there's a few elements to the Payne Haas story. I won't, I won't necessarily go chapter and verse into it, but at the moment, very serious is the situation with his mother on very serious uh, criminal charges. So, um, one of a big family, um, father trying to hold the ship together. I would find it hard to believe that Payne Haas would be headed anywhere overseas. That's the first thing. Uh, look, I don't know. I obviously haven't spoken to him, but I'm outside looking in. I would find it very hard to see Payne Haas, um, and they're talking about these big money offers from overseas rugby and all the rest. I don't think... Look, he's getting well looked after in rugby league, so... And that's the sport he's played all the way, and I watched him as a schoolboy and all the rest, and I don't think he's ready... I, look, I, I don't think it, he harbours the desire to be an elite rugby union player, Smithy, but later in his career, he might harbour the desire to be, you know, get an, a, a big paycheck in another sport if that money still exists. But right at the moment, where he can earn a million dollars playing rugby league a season and given family ties, strong family ties to stay here, I think this is where he stays and I think he will stay in rugby league. Okay, good news for the Broncos, good news uh, for the league, uh, good news for the Sharks because uh, Nico Hines is running the cutter pretty nicely. 
Oh, yeah, he's he's very good. Um, you know, missed the start of the season. <laughs> Jeez, what a player, really. You know, Smithy, only a couple of years ago, he'd only, he only started at halfback for the first time playing for Melbourne. It's, it's only two years ago that he started a game at halfback for the first time. Now he's with our elite um, and, and a terrific player and signed long-term. Bulldogs' hard season continues, um, you know, battered and bruised at the moment. Um, Cronulla racking up 33 points. Uh, this ain't going to be the year. They're, they're on the improve, the Bulldogs, but uh, you know, I can't see them... I can't see them playing finals football this year, but, but they are improved. There's no question of that, but, you know, injuries, I, I just think they need a few more players to their uh, personnel if they're to challenge the likes of the Sharks and other teams that are currently in the eight. Uh, two fairly unspectacular teams at the moment um, matching up over the weekends and uh, very close indeed, the Cowboys and the Knights. I called this one. Uh, Smithy went down to the last play with Newcastle hammering um, the gold, uh, the uh, North Queensland Cowboys line um, could have easily won. Um, Cowboys found a way to win. They're nowhere near back to their best. Uh, what What's amazing when when you watch a team lose confidence, as the Cowboys obviously have done, it's infectious across the group. I mean, individually, there were probably all the errors in the first half came from their star players. They all made an error at some point. You know, from Tom Dearden to Jeremiah Nene to Valentine, they all dropped a ball somewhere. That was a, an unforced error. And then Murray Talungi's sin binning in the second half. How dumb was that play to be sent to the sin bin? So Cowboys have a lot of work to do. Winning sure beats losing, but uh, they've got a long way back uh, to, to find their form of last year. Their signs... But there's, I reckon there's still more negatives than positives about the Cowboys' performance. We'll learn more about them Thursday night when they travel to Sydney to play Cronulla. Well, there we were thinking that um, the Warriors' comeback performance against the Sharks would not be emulated this year. It wouldn't be overtaken. And then we saw the Dolphins in the weekend. Wow, what happened there? Yeah. Well, it's, well, by the stats, it is the equal biggest comeback in uh, Rugby League Premiership history in this part of the world. Um, so we're talking 1998 Penrith and Cowboys. A 26-point uh, deficit was erased. We had, we had well, if you watch the game live, it's 26-0. And they have a, they have a disallowed try, the Titans, for 30-0 and potentially 32-0. Now, the Dolphins try just before halftime at least got them something. We had Jared Wallace on our breakfast program here in Australia this morning, the um, Dolphins prop, and he said he went to the dressing room thinking, we are going to get a Wayne Bennett spray here. Not at all. It was the opposite. It was cool, calm, and collected, and Wayne Bennett put faith in his players that we can still get right back into the game. We just go back to square one. We stick to our game plan. We don't do anything different. We just go about how we've prepared for this game. And it was the Titans who just, oh, man. They, 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 they'd make heart breaks when they'd been defending for ages. And, they, they, you know, they, they were in front and they were still trying to score points on, you know, half breaks and slip balls. And, yeah, they um, – it's amazing. It was an amazing finish. And incidents within the game, the Robert Jennings falling short of the line and then not getting up with no one on him like he thought he in his own mind he thought this would be a double movement he had no player within 20 metres of him um, so he fought, he fell asleep on the field it was one of the most bizarre moments I've ever seen um, an incredible afternoon the Dolphins without question are the success story 
I'll, I'll, I'll go further than just this year. Mate, they're, they're an incredible success story. In all my time following rugby league, what the Dolphins have achieved in these first eight weeks is absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, they've, they've arrived with a bang on the rugby league stage and they've got this old bloke, Wayne Bennett, 73 years of age. Um, he, is, he is a magician. Can I also add to that, they are um, a fantastic story because they give validity to expansion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly right, Smithy. They, they are enhancing the prospects of uh, expansion sooner rather than later that we get to 18 teams. Well, yeah, think of the alternative, Smithy. If the Dolphins had have come in, crashed and burned, straight away we would all be saying there's not enough talent spread across the game, it's too hard, can't do it, waste of money, don't fund that. No. Um, on the back of the Dolphins, they've contributed greatly to the success of the game this year. We are now having amazing ratings figures. Crowds are big. Um, Anzac Day tomorrow, there'll be two huge crowds at the games. Um, but the television ratings on... Well, I work for Fox League in Australia, so I put my cards mm. down. Subscription TV. We're having our biggest ratings of all time right now on a weekly basis. Um, and the Dolphins have been a contributor to that. So bring on a ninth game of rugby league as soon as you can. The AFL in Australia already have it, nine games a weekend. We want that now in rugby league, that we have a ninth game. Can I push the barrow of a different time zone? Hence, second team in New Zealand. Let's have mm. that. And, and let's have Friday night football, the six o'clock game every week should be a game out of New Zealand if there was a second New Zealand team. I think that's just into the mix. I'm just throwing that out there. On the other side of the coin or the other side of the, the world, almost, to New Zealand, um, that Perth may say that improves their claims that, you know, with the time difference, they would fit in nicely for a Sunday night game every week. Um, you know, th there's all of those possibilities, but we are headed for an 18th team sooner rather than later, and the Dolphins have helped that cause. Meanwhile, the Sea Eagles just uh, working away, working away. Look at the table. Gosh, they're second. Mm, that's right. Well, this is how close the competition is, Smithy. If the Tigers had have beaten Manly, and they probably should have yesterday, you know, if the Tigers beat Manly yesterday, Manly probably finished the round outside of the eight. Because they win, they're going to finish the round second. <laughs> that's extraordinary. Yeah, what, what a competition table. So if, if um, Melbourne and the Roosters win tomorrow, and they are the favourites, sorry to the Warriors, but, but I'm just going by the betting, if Melbourne and the Roosters win, we have, what, six teams on 10 points? Six mm. teams on 10 points, uh, nipping at the heels of the, of the teams at the top of the ladder, one of those being the Broncos. And, and, you know, full credit to them for their consistency. But if any team can get on a run of three or four wins in a row, you're going to find yourself in the, just about in the top four at the moment. Incredible. Uh, and, you know, the, the best news is it's not even finished yet because we've got two tomorrow, as you say. Uh, Roosters, Dragons uh, first up. Um, you kind of figure that Roosters have to make a statement at some point, surely. Well, yes, but can I just let our listeners know right now just how special this game is and all the players talk about, you know, this is a game they want to be part of, the respect, uh, how moving the day is, how much the pre-match ceremony means to the players, the crowd that turn up, the atmosphere. The Dragons have only beaten the Roosters six times in 23 matches since they played in the grand final in 2010. But all of those six wins, Smithy, have come on Anzac Day. So they've only won six of 23, 
But in Anzac Day games, they're six wins, five losses. So that shows you that no matter where they are on the ladder, um, even if Roosters are favourites, Dragons, you know, they both teams will be up for this tomorrow. So don't lock the Roosters in. They, they won't want to be off their game because the Dragons might just be at a significant level that they take it right to them. I, I think first time we've had one at the New Look Alliance Stadium, massive crowd, great occasion. I think a nail-biter tomorrow. I'm tipping the Roosters, but I'm expecting things to be very close. Interesting. On a day of remembrance too, the, the last thing uh, Warriors fans want to do is remember this encounter last year. Um, yeah, so, no, it's that. the Storm forget and the that. Warriors. <laughs> yeah, no. Storm they're, and the Warriors. Oh, poles <laughs> yeah. apart, Smithy, where the Warriors were last year. No, no. A, a poor performance for the, from the Warriors would come as a major shock. Um, they, they are playing. There's a, there's a real authenticity about the Warriors play this year. There's no false dawn here. This is a well-prepared side, um, and they will take it to Melbourne. Uh, I think a good start the key here. Uh, you, you don't like to be trying to chase down points against Melbourne, but if the Warriors can start well and and you know play from the front, then they can they can worry the life out of Craig Bellamy's Melbourne Storm because Melbourne haven't exactly been on top of their game. Um, I, I'll put a target on it. If if the Warriors can score twenty points, twenty or more, I, I think lock in the win. I don't, I don't know. I don't think, you know, again, I don't think the, the attacking arsenal of Melbourne is quite as scary as it has been in previous years. No Pappenhausen there and all the rest. Um, and, and, and those big forwards gone. Warriors are a big hope. Again, another nail-biter, I think, to finish the Anzac round of Rugby League. Absolutely fantastic, uh, Vossi. Uh, loving your calls uh, and uh, that you're back in uh, our time slot. Uh, everyone's enjoying that as well. Have a terrific uh, week. Have a day of remembrance yourself tomorrow and uh, all the very best. Yeah, to all the all the servicemen and women listening currently serving, and to those that have family members that, that served and to those who had family members who sacrificed their life, our gratitude from all of us. We live in great countries, New Zealand and Australia, and um, part of that is because of... The, uh, the efforts of those that have served the respective countries. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, that's why you're one of the best in the business, mate. Thank you very much, Vossi. Uh, and as I say, uh, have uh, a terrific uh, end to the round uh, calling. So thank you. Cheers. Good on you, Smithy. Cheers. Uh, 11 uh, 21 here on SENZ. Andrew Voss here, of course, with his uh, considered opinions across the board uh, on uh, rugby league matters. Yeah, it is. It's a massive uh, day tomorrow, and uh, I think they've been doing it pretty well. I've been watching Louis some of the uh, build-ups to the rugby and the rugby league, and I think they've been reflecting it quite nicely. Yeah, they do tend to do a pretty good job with it, Smithy, especially the NRL, and I, I think uh, the Warriors-Melbourne Storm fixture in particular is a, a big one for a lot of people sentimentally. But last year's demolition was embarrassing. It was a really, it was a real sore point for sports fans because of how big of a moment it is. So it's great to know that we've got a team over there that can compete. And when Vossi says that if they can score 20 points, they might win, I take a lot of note of that. There's probably not a man that watches more rugby league than Andrew Voss, and he gets a good litmus test on all of where the teams need to be to beat one another. So 20 points... I think we can do it. Uh, I mean, it would just be such rich reward for the way Andrew Webster's been able to inspire this group to start the year. If they could beat the Melbourne Storm, a marquee win, just a marquee win that they can hang their hat on and actually move forward and say, you know what, we can be a top four side, it would do wonders for the group. 
But also, uh, Mark, I think one of the biggest turnarounds in the history of all sport, to lose by that margin and then turn around and win, would be one of the great comeback stories. It's at ni- uh, 11.22 here on SENZ, back shortly. Thanks to the SENZ app. I've been tuning in at all hours of the day, from Izzy to Ricardo. What a roster we have on SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. The Rural Roundup with Andy Thompson in 60 seconds. Kubota, together we are shaping and building New Zealand. In Rural News, the rogue cow spotted grazing at Scorching Bay Beach in Wellington is a repeat offender who runs away so frequently her owner calls her Harriet Houdini. Wellington City Council was alerted to the animal on Twitter by a member of the public and video footage showed her roaming calmly on the grass area behind the beach. According to the farmer who owns her, Harriet Houdini is two years old and runs away frequently from the farm. The farmer said she is an escape. The farmer said there is an escape two or three times a year and this cow is a serial offender. She credited to people who walk through the area and climb over the fence by standing on the wires, which stretches the wires so the cows can get their heads through. Steer clear of the loose bull at Scorching Bay Beach, the council said on Twitter. That was the Rural Roundup in 60 seconds on SNZ. Kubota, for over 40 years we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building New Zealand together. Probably consigned at the moment, uh, I think, to championship football next year. But the one that concerned me the most, Louis Herman, what the football mm. result of the weekend, uh, Western Sydney Warriors 4, Phoenix 0. Yeah. We shouldn't let this one just slip by either. They need to be held to account, the Phoenix, because they had a platform to build off uh, with Ufuk Tale, and they've had a, a stable enough um, start to the year with their best players playing well, putting goals away, and they got themselves into a position where they should have been able to contend for not just playoffs or finals football, but potentially a game in Wellington as well. Unfortunately, what's their, what's their losing streak now? Is it four? Is it five? Well, it's just appalling how it's all fallen apart. Absolutely appalling how it's fallen. I mean, you know, the fact that they're slightly up towards it with still some hope of making the playoffs. I mean, that is almost giving them a bit of respite, but it shouldn't be. You're right. It should not be giving them respite. They uh, haven't won in five games at the very least. They did draw against the Roar in there. So essentially they have to beat MacArthur. Um but they're going to turn up into the playoffs and they'll probably get an absolute hiding. And and look, if they don't beat MacArthur to make the playoffs, well, they don't deserve to be there. It's just disappointing. Ufuk's off. He's going on to bigger and better things. Oh, people people get upset when you say this, but but to me it feels like the team's just lacking a bit of soul and lacking a, a, a bit of um, identity at the moment in, in it. I know there is the well, there are the, the faithful, the diehard, that they will be upset with me saying that as a casual coming in. Because they turn up and they wave their shirts around when they get the chance, the yellow fever. But on the whole, this run of performances has just left me feeling a little bit sad about the whole situation. Yep, sad. And um, from those Phoenix uh, fans, those ones that are still turning up or had been turning up, um, really worrying signs. Really worrying signs to finish off a season, let alone think about uh, next season. Right, uh, it's uh, time for Stump Smithy. It's up for... 100 bucks this morning. We had a good one on Friday, so we got through. And so we're putting $100 up for grabs uh, here this Monday. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811 is the, the phone number. We'd love you to come in on, take part, and uh, hopefully we can uh, reward you at the end of three questions with $100 worth of uh, bonus bets from the TAB. 
Louis Herman, what um, I think will be the questionnaire today, probably, or Brian, uh, you guys can sort it out. No, Louis, Louis questionnaire. Brian's on the phones waiting for your call. Uh, we're going to go to the news with Karen when we come back. It's fun time. 1476 AM in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. With isolated morning showers then becoming fine, a high of 18. Catch live commentary of the One New Zealand Warriors up against the storm tomorrow night from 8.30 on SENZ. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Rightio, let's uh, get stuck into it, folks. It's um, $100 up for grabs. Uh, Louis Herman, what, you're running the cutter here. I'm just a, just a participant. Uh, what have we got lined up? Who have we got lined up today? Oh, boy, oh, boy. We're going to a couple of my favourite racing jurisdictions. Smithy, we're going to the heart of the Waikato to start us off with Kevin and Cambridge. Kevin, morning to you. Louis, how are you doing Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing, doing super. Smithy, how are you doing? Actually, no, I'm, I'm feeling pretty cool. Um, cruisy little Monday we've got through here, uh, highlighting all those uh, things that have happened over the weekend, and uh, I don't see any reason why we can't have a profitable little time of it here in the next five minutes or so either, Louis. To be fair, so uh, Kevin, uh, you've done, I, you have beat me in the past. So I know that, Kev. You're pretty good. So, what are the subjects? Uh, what are the subjects you've got uh, lined up for Kevin to choose from? He can either go. Baseball, or he could do the beautiful game, football. We've just been talking about it, so that might help. Or he could go rugby league, which uh, I'm sure Kevin is f- very fond of. So up to you, Kev. Yeah. Oh well, of those three, I'll have to go. Let's go rugby league. Ah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Kevin. To start us off, and you know the drill. Yep. No, yes, Kevin. Yes, it is Kevin. I, I'm, I'm still learning the drill. How many points yeah. are the West Tigers... How many points do they have on the NRL table? Let me put it like that. How many do they have? Oh, yeah, how many do they have? Uh, yeah, no, they don't. That's right. I'm put your phone go. down, Smithy. I'm watching you. <laughs> oh, he's been doing that for years, mate. You'll never change. Um... <laughs> Uh, oh. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two points. Oh. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Bumfer, too easy. And you know no, they haven't actually that. won a game either. They just get the points for the draw, which uh, the 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 buy, which I always find hilarious. All right, what oh, player? That yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Kim. What player has scored the most points? in the NRL so far in 2023. This is remarkable if true, which I'm assuming it is. Because Brian made the quiz and he's always right. Who scored the most in the NRL? Probably gold kicker, Bronco. Nah, I'm only guessing. Let's go Sean Johnson, eh? Let's be loyal. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Ian? Valentine Holmes? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Right, sort of (laughs) part of the world. It's actually Jermaine Asako. 
Yeah. Really? Dolphinos. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So that's what I thought was interesting. Uh, um, does it does that mean that the quiz is over, Brian? Yep. Uh, right. yep no, no, no. One more question mean. to go. Oh, one more question to go. Right. <laughs> I, really, I do really need to just read up on the notes on this. Uh, what team has scored the most points in the? What team scored the most points now? Not the player. So season twenty three. Which team has scored the most points collectively? Given. What you can do this point. You know, the, yeah, yeah, the whole competition yeah. so far. Yeah, that's it. Right. Oh, I'll go Broncos. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Bumfer. Well then, well, Bumfer, all right, out of the park. Another hundred bucks goes to Cambridge. Um, and Kevin is the winner. I've got to say, um, I was working on the, the Broncos theory the whole time there with uh, Valentine Holmes, etc. So the Broncos would have been my answer as well. So, well done, Kevin. You've uh, nipped it in the bud again and uh, good start to the week for you. And, and, and it's a good effort because I was down in Hawke's Bay a few weeks ago and got COVID. So I've still got COVID brain, so I've done well. What? You got COVID in Hawke's Bay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Place is full of it. You got one back off him. <laughs> the place is full of it. Oh my God, Father! I should have used should have used my damn phone earlier on in the place. Got rid of Kim and snuffed him out. Hey, Kim, you go. You go to the you go to the chemist warehouse and get some drugs for your COVID, and we'll, we'll catch up at a later date, mate. All the very best. Well done. Thanks, Jinx. That's good. Uh, Kevin there out of Cambridge, which means if he took COVID back to Cambridge, that means it's out of Hawke's Bay now, so that's cool. Um, right. well, that's how it it's works. 1140. Yeah, that's how it works. Um, it's 11.40 here on SENZ. Uh, we just need to regroup after all that. Uh, come back and we'll visit the sports desk with uh, Louis Herman Watt after that. SENZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. Keep up to date on Twitter and Instagram at SENZ underscore radio. When it comes to farming, some things are easy to control. Oi, get back in there! But when it comes to climate change, it's a whole different beast. Overseer FM is a high-tech software tool that's designed to put farmers in control to drive change by creating sustainable farms. In other words, it helps save the environment and your back pocket by taking the guesswork out of farming. Find out where your farm is at at Overseer FM and together we can help drive your farm forward. Overseer, choices for farmers. Brilliant start continues for the one New Zealand Warriors, but this may be their biggest test. The Anzac Day clash with the Storm. Live commentary Tuesday, 8.30pm on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Well, a couple of things uh, making waves, uh, of course, uh, and just before we get on to that, yes, I did realise, uh, Carolyn, that uh, Valentine Holmes plays for the Cows, otherwise uh, known as the Cowboys, just uh, uh, getting uh, <coughs> my jurisdictions a little bit wrong there in the Queensland uh, area. Um, and also uh, text coming in to don't want to rain on the expansion idea parade, but you're not going to get the calibre of players the Dolphins did 
uh, to the Wellington Orcas. Probably a good point too. And you certainly won't have Wayne Bennett either. Uh, that's another very good point. Okay, uh, Louis Herman, what uh, what do you got lined up for us in terms of the sports desk this morning? Well, really, I think of, uh, someone who's flying under the radar a wee bit at the, at the moment, and probably not with yourself, knowing that, how much of a fan you are of him, but Devin Conway and his Chennai Super Kings, they have been absolutely flying. Now, I heard the news that Ben Stokes, who cost them three million bucks, Flem, he's having to look after him, and no doubt Baz would have actually said this, Baz, that he had a word to Flem and just said, take it easy on Skip, because... He's got a big w- uh, winter ahead, big summer ahead. But it hasn't really mattered for the Super uh, Super Kings as they keep flying. And how's this for Devin Conway? In the month of April, wow, dearie me. He started with 47 on the third. Then he had duck, how dare he. Since then, half century 50 against the Royals. He had 83 against Royal Challengers Bangalore. And then he had 77 not against... Sunrises, and he had 56 against Baz's former team, the Kolkata Knight Riders, as well, in their most recent game last night. So he is in a touch of form, which is very promising, knowing how influential he's going to be to our white ball success come a little bit later on in India, right? Uh, well, the thing that uh, amazes me about uh, Devin Conway is that uh, he came with such a reputation in terms of uh, the way he was scoring runs at provincial level for Wellington. Uh, he made the uh, the sacrifice. Uh, he made the um, the effort to come and play in New Zealand. Could have chosen anywhere else. Thank God he chose us. To be perfectly honest, because he fits in like a uh, hand in a glove to any of our uh, three disciplines in cricket. Uh, he's just um, a wonderful player. Seldom do you, you ever think he's a bit like Kane Williamson. You, you kind of don't think he's ever sort of out of form. He's that good. Uh, so this is a heck of a run. This is a great sign. Doing well in Indian conditions. Of course, the World Cup coming up. No Kane Williamson available to us. It is imperative, absolutely imperative, that Devon Conway, for us to have any hope at all in the Cricket World Cup later in the year, it's imperative Devon Conway has a ripper. He's got to have a, a standout, uh, a standout World Cup. So, uh, great signs for Devon Conway. He's a really balanced man. Um, you know, he's not a young guy. Uh, the, the, the sad side of it is really that uh, international cricket missed out on Devon Conway um, for about five years. Uh, he should have been playing uh, a lot earlier. Uh, he's terrific. He really is. Uh, looks gifted with bat in hand. He just takes it so seriously, Smithy. I love the word you use, balanced. He's had life that he's lived before he became an international cricketer. Uh, he's nearly 32. He just takes it so seriously. Like He really wants to make every trip to the crease one that's meaningful. Um, Trent Bolt. We need him to fire. We need him to be involved. He has been going okay, you'd say. Not probably as good as he has done it at times. Uh, he His latest, which was um, two days ago, he had two for 41. So got a little bit of tap, but he took a couple of wickets. And he's had a couple of okay performances throughout the IPL um, this year. So that's what's going on with our cricketers. And, of course, we've got a handful of the rest of them over there playing here. And there, and just on the NBA, mate, it's a, a big day today. Uh, the playoffs, the first-round playoff matchups are all just starting to kind of move and um, work out what's going on. Now, Steph Curry, he did the no-no. The big no-no that people remember Chris Webber did way back when. In the NCAA final, the the Fab Five, they made an ESPN 30 for 30 that he wasn't involved in. You call a timeout when you don't have one. Steph Curry did it, 
but the Warriors survived. The Kings couldn't make them pay right at the end of their game. They had a shot on the hooter. Harrison Barnes put it up, and it back-ironed. The Warriors won 126-125. That series is locked at 2 all now, and that is a brilliant series for anyone, any basketball fan that love offense. That is outstanding. The Cleveland Cavaliers, while they have just run into massive trouble with the New York Knicks, the Knicks, well, they just are playing so well defensively in Cleveland after only recording 79 points in Game 3, which was a season low. They only got 93 this game. That's not going to be enough to win a playoff game these days. Uh, Boston leading Atlanta 53-40 right now in their series. They lead that series 2-1. Elsewhere, Denver, well, they should probably be sweeping Minnesota later on today, and you have said just that in your multi. Yep, I have done. uh, Yeah, I have, Louis. Um, Thanks very much for that basketball uh, information. Uh, one of the sad things that happened um, over the weekend, or was announced over the weekend, was the demise of the Auckland Tuatara baseball team. Uh, Stephen McIver has uh, covered this uh, issue already. Um, I'm going to have a quick chat to him uh, prior to midday because he is uh, taking us through the afternoon. Uh, but I agree with him wholeheartedly. Very, very sad news. We used to listen to uh, Steve Mintz, the manager with his American accent, just how keen and how buoyant he was about baseball and the future of it in this country. And all of a sudden, we read a story and they're gone. Uh, it's, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Um, and I'm at a loss as to, to why it just happened so quickly. Stephen will have more information for us on that. We'll catch up with him very soon.